1: hello everyone welcome to part two of the stomp cast melissa and i are really quite stomping at a pace we both have adhd and i believe that that is transferring onto some serious pace on the walk so we need to yeah. kind of ease back in part two because we've been breathless at moments haven't we are you enjoying the stomp so far
2: yes and i enjoyed those little easter eggs we just oh, had
1: you're wonderful melissa popped out a few easter eggs for us to enjoy you are one you you love to feed don't you yeah. Be fantastic. Yeah, we, we last time when we were cooking together, we had food everywhere. We we're just enjoying ourselves. So well,
2: you've all You know, I think part of going for a walk is checking you've got snackettes and snacks
1: so it's in your stomping toolkit it's then? in my
2: stomping toolkit and by a snackette i mean like a one biter a snack might be more two or three bites a ah, snackette is something
1: we'll remember i want abby for our long journeys
2: snackettes and snacks
1: she's too far to hear and but a snackette
2: just... needs to be really easy to eat and not um messy hmm. and a snack could be more you know a small sandwich or yeah, something Quick like and that.
1: Nice. Quick and nice.
2: Oh look at that, there's kids playing up there in the trees. I saw some like little lovely worm hotels earlier on as well. Oh. And I do love like, I love a I love a park that says look out for this bird or this bird has um, yeah, can learn come back to the and, area.
1: And so on. I, I, that's why I think that young people should spend as much time as possible playing and in, in forestries, in parks, in woodlands and green spaces. I mean we yes. are in the middle of a city and you know there are amazing spaces even in cities. And it's something that, you know, I had a conversation this morning with uh, the Welsh Parliament, uh, talking to them about young people and, you know, what young people need. And it's, it's clear to everyone, I think, that we go back to the basics and fundamentals and the things that help people feel good. Nature is right in the centre of that, isn't it?
2: Yeah. And what, in part one, we walked past a lake, but we were stomping so fast past it, we didn't stop to appreciate it. But by even just being around that and having the water in our eye line, that's also a new study that's come out saying that looking at water daily is very good for unbelievable. us unbelievable so whether it's a a lake or you know a water feature and obviously if you live by the sea you're lucky bean
1: yeah you've got the sea by you it's, it's it's amazing and gosh another dog dogs dogs and this past, area has a lot of lidos so
2: you can see that people really love to be in water
1: Melissa, let's talk about your journey to pregnancy. You are, I think you said you were six months? Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. It's not been the easiest of journeys for you. No. I think last time
2: we cooked together, I think I was taking a break from actively conceiving. I'd had two early losses, about nine weeks or so, and they were natural conception. Uh, So with some help, hormonal help, but not technically IVF which is in vitro fertilization. So then I decided to start IVF. Uh, One of the reasons was because I was 36 at the time and I thought I would, if I could be blessed with a few kids, I felt like uh, it would be helpful to now seek extra medical help. And I also was uh, advised that sometimes it can be very helpful to see at what stage things are well, in a nutshell, see where we were going wrong because it was unexplained fertility, essentially. However, I was really aware that my mental health was, was pretty, was at some limiting, was at a limiting point at that time. And it wasn't helped by the fact that I was losing, having miscarriage. Cause that was a real, a grief, a depression. It's so time consuming. You're taking lots of hormones It might not, you know, a lot of the time I think people think about IVF as just the injections, but long before that, you know, you're taking a hell of a lot of pills
1: course you're you're so, giving hormones to your body to exactly boost fertility and, and yeah. all sorts and, Regulate and that cycles. doesn't just affect your reproductive yes. parts it affects your whole body and your brain as well you know
2: yes and i i count myself fortunate in the sense that i work for myself so i could go to appointments or when i had pregnancy losses i could give myself a day off but i'm really aware that lots of people who may or may not even be in a couple may be doing it by themselves don't want to tell anyone at work for for many reasons and are having to go to these appointments and lunch breaks before work so it really takes a toll it's my boyfriend and i politely joked that it was like having a full-time job trying Gosh. to conceive <laughs>
1: Gosh, yes. and, and you just said there, you know giving yourself a day off it kind of struck me as you said that's like wow you know it, it's something that i think in society we expect people just to get over but you you know you really suffer a loss don't you yeah you know, with a miscarriage or it's really hard and, and, and it's not and, and early losses versus late. People experience them differently and so yes. on. But you the can effect on your mental health can yeah. be, yeah. be a huge. Can't it? Well,
2: I remember with our not to get too graphic for people, but, but also at the same time, my boyfriend, you know, found all talk of this two years ago too much for him. And now he's so used to it. And he said, I'm glad I understand what you go through. But in the first loss, for about a week afterwards, we weren't entirely sure if I was miscarrying or not, because sometimes your hormones can send out different signals or show you know, your HCG levels, which is normally what you a know, pregnancy test that you pee on might tell you can be going up. Yeah. So the numbers can be going up, but you in fact can be losing the fetus. Anyway, so a hugely confusing time. Dr. Alex and I have been talking so much and saying how there's not nearly enough about it. And I went for a scan earlier And my sonographer had been on Jessie Ware's podcast, which was called um, Is It Normal? And it's a really helpful podcast. And she does sort of week by week. And and that was, you know, brilliant Jessie Ware, pop star, host of Table Manners, just brings out a pregnancy podcast. There's really not very many. So I do hope anyone who is thinking about maybe doing a pregnancy podcast or sharing more does because the more the merrier. You know, if, this why information is something is we don't,
1: like you said, it, I mean, I get obviously that it's private and people want to be private about it, but why does it feel that particularly around IVF and conversations about things like miscarriages, it does seem very, feel very hush-hush. It feels like it's yes. still quite a taboo. Is that something you experience? And why do you think that we are so kind of uncomfortable with that topic? Obviously, it's not pleasant to talk about, I'm not saying yeah. that, but it does, compared to a lot of other things that are difficult that we do talk about, it feels like... Something we don't.
2: Well, I wonder. I mean, I don't know, but I wonder if it's because it's considered a female issue, perhaps. And we know, actually, some people say, you know, conceiving is 50 percent one, 50 percent the other, and some people say it's a third. You know, you've got two two parents and and the the baby. You know, if you want to get really into it, you know, it's, there's three things, it's and there's an fantastic books actually, yeah. called things like "It Starts with the Egg," which is all about. You know, female health. So, I'll tell you something wild. If you're having a girl, she she by sort of three months, four months, already has all her eggs. So, if you're carrying a girl, you are carrying your future grandchildren. I remember learning that in
1: med school. My mind being like blowing a bit. You're like, whoa! It's like, yeah, it it kind of really does. It does blow your mind quite literally, doesn't it? It's incredible. The whole the whole uh the whole process of it yeah
2: and I think if we also just filter out a bit so little is talked about with pregnancy so little is talked about with menopause and so little is talked about with periods in general so from young women or you know women who have or, or people who have periods from that age all the way up to those who go through menopause we're not we're not talking about it I don't know my mum I've never certainly never spoken to my mum yeah um, it's also something that we
1: feels that if it was taught, it was taught to women or people who have periods and never taught to to men, to males, it was never something that we would be taught. taught. And I think that there's a bit of You weren't taught at
2: school? Not uh, really. I, I think
1: at university, of course, we were at med school. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, at, at school level. And I think the shame of that, there's, there's a real trick missed there, is that actually we should be teaching. If you want, basically, if you want men to learn about it and to not approach it, from a, say, an ignorance or position yes. of ignorance teach them about it so they understand if we just say well we're not going to talk to you about it then yes then you're not going to fix it and it's the same way that i kind of view male mental health don't just go right let's just focus on men it affects women as well i'm pretty sure every woman has a man they care about in their life Absolutely. so fixing male mental health let's have let's do it all together and i think when it comes to those issues don't just see it as well classic thing that said yeah women's issues yeah is it I just mean- women's issues or does it affect everyone like if you talk about miscarriage or menopause if, wow. the, if you're with another person yeah. in your life it's probably gonna affect them as well
2: absolutely i when i first wrote about my fertility journey struggles whatever you want to say i had so many messages actually i'd been wondering i remember saying to someone i work with oh i feel like i want to post this and she said to me "Well, post it when it feels right and i was like oh, okay and i said i think i want to post it. i'm not sure i think i want to post it I'm not sure one day i woke up and went and it flew out of my fingers, didn't even bother spell checking and posted it. And I had such a warm and overwhelmingly large response publicly. And then I had, I'm not joking, thousands
0: of DMs from
2: people that didn't want to, you know, colleagues and friends to see their name come up. But I had people say, thank you for telling me because my colleague or my employee or my daughter-in-law or my son-in-law or my kids' teachers been off with, depression, you know, like it affects everybody, you know, and I actually understand now that some people who've suffered loss 30 years ago may still be suffering and may still be grieving.
1: When I talk about that, I talk about, I've described it as the black box theory, the idea that's you know you might have a grief and a loss and it's overwhelmingly it's a big box on your lap you're looking at it the whole time then over time and with the right techniques you can shrink the box and learn to close it and open it and learn when to put it on the shelf but the one yeah. thing you can't do is get rid of that box yes. you know grief is never you're never going to go i'm okay with that loss and i think well i've had a lot of response from people from the video i made recently on instagram people saying gosh that they relate to that loss someone 20 years ago and they still end up opening up that box and looking in it and I think that's okay. And I I wonder, what I wanted to ask you specifically about miscarriages and baby loss, do you think that's the same? You know, given, because sometimes there is a feeling of, oh, well, try again, you get pregnant, you kind of forget about it. And that feels to me as someone, well, from a position of not really knowing, obviously, that 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 just doesn't sound right to me. Like, how can you just, you wouldn't, would you ever just be over that?
2: For me personally, no, I still think about when, the two I lost would be born you know I still I know the dates that they were due and I I light a candle and one of the wonderful um I don't know if silver linings is the right word but I I really feel that I have given my self health my mental health my self-care such much needed attention over the last two years that I've been trying to conceive successfully because I've needed my mental health more than ever I've needed to be able to rely on myself I've needed to be able to look after myself all of these things I've I've sort of cherished my mental health in on for all the good and bad days even more as I've been going through it and so I've had so many wonderful teachers come and go might be a doctor might be a nurse might be a woman that I've sat next to I remember going into A&E and e one of the things about miscarriages they basically will kind of say to you especially if it's an early one you know there's nothing you can do if you if you're if, if the bleeding gets x amount or if the pain is x amount then come in but we can't do anything and i ended up having to go into a and and um i just remember one woman taking my bloods and just holding my hand while i cried all over her and it was during covid and i my partner couldn't come in And she just kept checking on me, even though she was so busy and telling me stories about her losses and how she had kids now. And I just remember thinking, what a a lovely teacher, what a lovely, what a wonderful thing that I can hang on to. And I'm talking about right now that she did in her very busy shift. So back to rituals. I've really realized that I love how much I love writing a candle or writing something sad down and maybe burning it or ripping it up or throwing it or planting something when something is sad
1: um that's a really lovely idea of something new from something painful yeah something growing
2: and writing out feelings and i know there's so many there's been so many podcasts and advice given and there's so many beautiful journal books and self-help books but you don't need anything you can write it on your phone i do think handwriting can be really helpful there's Uh, something
1: powerful about manually writing Yeah, i'm a big and someone who's got possibly (laughs) the worst handwriting on the planet i'm dyslexic i i I still think that when i really find something there's something i need to get down on paper there's just there's nothing like it and i would say to anyone who's grown up in this very much digital age you you know you you do everything on laptops and phones and notes and stuff. Really, you know, if you really want to get it out, try writing it down, yes. Blank piece of paper. And you can. The beauty, the beauty of that is you really can burn it. Yes. The digital footprints always left, but if you really want to feel that you've got something out and you've burned it and it's gone, yes, then something about doing on paper but be careful fire safety of course
2: absolutely fire safety. and um or you could just recycle it
1: also oh, <laughs> um <laughs> and
2: to it. add to that yes, indeed. um this wonderful woman uh therapist donna lancaster who have you come across donna yet no she we we um i don't think so i'll tell did the I, names uh, I, donna
1: lancaster I did i that.
2: pass you at the happy place one time um happy place festival yes, i can't sorry, remember sorry. i think i did so i was i was chatting with donna and we did a workshop called recipe for joy and mm. donna is my therapist And, um, she, she's taught me about, you know, when I, if I'm struggling to, you know, you might, you might feel like you've got to write something out, but it's not coming. So she said to me, you know, put on rage against the machine or something, put on some really angry music Mm. or put on music that makes you cry and, and see if that helps you shift the Mm. energy.
1: Yeah. Of course, this is a a, a really tough uh, topic. But I hope at least, even if it is hard to hear for people, maybe we can share a bit of you know, help, and and I know that you're, you're you know, you're a real advocate for mental health, and uh, and obviously having lived experience. What what would you say to people that maybe are worried about experiencing miscarriage, For people that haven't even started an IVF journey, or maybe haven't started a pregnancy journey, and they're worried about it, or or indeed they've experienced miscarriages. You know, how how do you approach that? How do you begin to deal with something like that?
2: Well, I wish I had firmer GCR answers, but if I think about my experience, I would. If I went back three years and I'd probably say to myself, feel free to to talk to people about it and say that you're starting the journey or that you're worried about Mm. the journey. You know, some people I'm sure hopefully have a couple of people they can confide in just so they can check on you. Or I've got friends that say, I'm going through a hard Mm. time at the moment. I don't want you to ask me about it. I just want you to know. So I really, I think that's also amazing so that someone's not asking you all the time, but they know that that you're there or they're there to to comfort you. I think that there's incredible charities like Mm. Tommy's, T-O-M-M-Y-S, who have lots of content, things to read, personal stories, case studies. I would also build up your mental health toolkit. So I had always ready movies or comedy clips that would comfort me food in the freezer the 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 basics of looking after ourselves i i I prioritize them even more Mm -hmm. and if when you're feeling really sad you don't have to wait for something as devastating as the loss but if you're struggling through the the journey any of the drugs or so on is to to give yourself some grace and take a day off or take an afternoon off or or, say, or ask a colleague to help you out and say, I, mm. I, I need some extra support today.
1: So when I worked in A&E, a lot of people think A&E is just about car accidents and things, mm. but you know, I saw so many women, to be honest, who came in with um, potential miscarriage or going through miscarriage. It, it's something that I, I found very hard to deal with, I think, professionally. And I, I'm you know, obviously, I'm not the person going through that. Mm. Sometimes it feels in society, we almost put a sense of almost blame is like guilt or shame around going yeah. through a miscarriage or loss or you know we even use the words like failed ivf yeah how do we begin to kind of tackle that because it just doesn't feel doesn't feel right does it that we're kind yeah. of putting blame on people for something that's happened to them ultimately yeah
2: i mean i'm six months now and i'm still nervous i'm still very nervous i still you know i think if anyone has ever tried to conceive before when you go to the loo when you go to the league you know you just you look in your knickers Mm. you check Mm. Mm. or if you feel something you know you oh my gosh um i a few times i read or someone said to me it's not your fault or there's nothing you can do or there's nothing you did wrong and i think that someone just repeating that to you or even it's going to be okay you know the the bog standard but so powerful it's going to be okay I think, yeah, being told that you didn't do anything mm. wrong because a lot of the mm. time it is, it could be chromosomal, it can be physical,
1: you know, all of these things. It's like the words as well, isn't it? It's like, you know, we use, I mean, I look back now and think of, of these, some of these words that we learn in a textbook, mm. incompetent cervix. Yeah. You know, words that basically say there's something wrong with you and your re- reproductive system. Yeah. It, you're just adding this pressure on someone. Yeah. That, it not their fault is it yeah and you're creating a sense of guilt and something that you're it's happening to you you're not mm-hmm. making it happen I think that's the odd flip side that we yes it's almost you're almost suggesting that you are doing this wrong yeah not that something's happened to you
2: yeah yeah and maybe because we don't know enough about our lovely beautiful bodies we don't know enough about our cervix cervixes I mean what's the plural of cervix Alex
1: cervix as well you only have I don't know well, other people cervixes <laughs> Services? So I? No, I? You no, know, know. we don't, I don't know. We don't know enough English, about so, our Latin. uteruses,
2: our wombs, our, you know, even, you know, these are just words that we're not familiar with. Um, even we, we know as kids and teenagers, like how not to get pregnant or the fear of getting pregnant. And we don't know enough about how to get
1: pregnant. And That's a really good point. <laughs> and what it actually means to be pregnant and what might happen to your body, the changes yeah. that might happen.
2: And also this new thing now, there's so many great accounts I love following, you know, about, you know, which part's your vulva, which, bits your, which is your vagina, where's your cervix, you know, everybody should know these, these basic bits. And then and maybe, exactly, everyone. And then maybe we wouldn't feel so confused about the medical language, or we would speak up for it and say, and also half the time when something does go wrong, they say, I'm so sorry, this has gone wrong. And then you're out because as we know, people are, uh, the hospitals are overworked. So websites like Tommy's, and um there's some i can send you a list of some of the accounts i follow you'll put
1: them in the, yeah. in, the in the notes and you'll
2: find somebody that you can vibe with mm. and and hopefully and and um,
1: hopefully you've got people mm. to cuddle now that you're 6 months pregnant how how are you finding this pro, this kind of process are you enjoying pregnancy
2: yeah i mean Right now, I'm, I'm, you know, having a lovely day with you, um, and feeling quite fit and strong, and you know, not, I'm not missing out on things. But at the same time, for the first four, or five months, oh gosh, I was dog sick. You're I sick mean, girl. I couldn't do my job. I couldn't cook, Alex. I couldn't even, I couldn't even think about food. I was just really, I mean, luckily I didn't have to go into mm-hmm. hospital. What's it called when uh, hypere- again, hyper- hyper-
1: Yeah, luckily I didn't. Do you know, people don't realize again. I, it, it's interesting because people have an idea of what an a doctor is and yes. so on, and that's fine. And a lot of the time people think we don't see mental health. In fact, it's funny, this when I started working uh, in this field of mental health as an ambassador, when I started really advocating for this, people go, oh, you're, you're an A&E doctor. You don't do mental health. Like, whew, probably about a third of our cases relate directly mm, to mental you health. You see it do, all. I, we, I've seen the full range of mental illness and health. I can tell you that. Um, but one of the big things we do also see, you know, very commonly is people coming in with morning sickness makes it sound somewhat uh easygoing you know with severe sickness related to pregnancy and hyperemesis you know it it can be really difficult and some people some uh women that i've looked after in the hospital cannot hold anything down some of them so sick that they can't hold down even the slightest bit of water and what happens eventually is they become extremely dehydrated they can get kidney injuries and become quite sick and unwell. So again, we stereotypes and stigmas don't help is this kind of, oh, you just got a bit of morning sickness, get yep. on with it. Yep. You know, if you are, effectively, the rule the rule of thumb is, if you can't hold down, you know, liquids, reasonable amounts of liquids, and or you're you're not weighing as much as you were, yep. or you're just feeling incredibly weak and unable to do the basic tasks you, you could do, please go into the hospital. Yes. A number of... Um, Pregnant women I've met, you know, who have come in very late on because they've tried to tough it out, bless them, because probably they thought they needed to do that. Uh, they end up being a lot worse off, you know. We, yeah. we can fill them with fluids, we can treat the sickness, we can do all these different things. Please don't stay at yeah. home if you're really struggling with it.
2: And as you said, it's 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 often not. I actually felt worse in the evening, so it's not morning sickness. It can no. be all day, all night, and. I didn't realize this. It can go on and on and on. So for me, it was up to five months. And even, you know, just a few days ago, I was being sick as well. But having said that, I'm feeling, what am I feeling? I'm feeling incredibly grateful. I'm still feeling quite nervous. I've been doing a lot of um, hypnosis, meditation, visualization, which has been incredible for me. So I'm working with this woman who I'll send you the link. She creates a kind of 20 minute meditation for me. And I listen to it once a day, sometimes twice, if I'm feeling particularly Anxious, and it just keeps reinforcing the belief that I'm safe, the baby's safe, I'm going to be okay, the baby's going to be okay. Because I was trying to explain this to my boyfriend Henry, you know, he's very much like, you know, once we got past three months, because sometimes people say, oh, you know, when you're past three months, it's all okay. Of course, it it's not always okay, and he's very relaxed and excited, and he's you know also dealing with the the the, the scare the scariness of being a first time dad, but. You know, your mental health doesn't just go away when you feel like you're on the successful part of the journey. Um, I'm still hugely hormonal. I'm still things, you know, a bad night's sleep can really affect my mental health, not being able to eat properly or a long day. I still will lie awake some nights. Having said that, I am feeling really grateful. It feels really nice to have shared publicly that I'm having a baby now because that was something that felt, again, like a reinforcement. It's happening You know sorry to get too spiritual but you know it was almost like saying to universe okay i can really say it now i'm i'm pregnant and i'm and i'm i'm expecting a baby and everything that comes with it and i really 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 would like to find a way of trying to be more helpful with the conversations around fertility and pregnancy loss so i've started writing about it a little bit but because i guess i'm in the thick of it and i'm still learning I'm just sort of jotting down things and hoping hoping I can share lots of links
1: that could be helpful for people. IVF sometimes is given this kind of feeling of, oh gosh, you know, it's always at the serious end of it and there's no hope and things. But actually at least half of, of all people who go through IVF may end up uh, pregnant and having a baby. And I know that might, the other side, that means there's a lot of people who don't end up yes. in that situation. But it, it does feel like we, we we probably should teach a bit more about or talk a bit more about IVF because it is an incredible option for some people and it gives that opportunity of having a baby where otherwise there might not be one, right? Yes,
2: yeah. And and maybe being able to navigate those com- conversations and what you could ask for or also what tests you can ask for in advance. So, you know, I discovered a while back that I had a hypothyroidism, which is essentially a sluggish and under thyroid and the thyroid is so, it's like, you know, this butterfly shaped I mean, uh, and, it, well. and it controls almost everything. I mean, it, as we know, our bodies are so interlinked to each other. And it also um, is important if you have got any thyroid issues to, to know, because during pregnancy it changes and the demands on it change. So I really had to do some deep diving on to, into looking after my thyroid. And that's why I took a little break between my losses and starting the IVF. I really wanted to look after myself and give it my best shot. So sometimes I remember crying once to a doctor that was helping me because we suggested that maybe I pause for six months. And I said, oh, I just don't, six months is half a year and oh, I don't, I remember crying to this doctor and when we together decided that I would maybe wait around six months to sort, sort, help sort my thyroid, get, give myself some mental health support, take a break, give my body a, a, a break really as well. And I remember crying and saying, but six months, that's half a year. And a lot of the time I think in our in people's fertility chapters we go that's another Christmas I won't be pregnant or that's another birthday that's gone past and and I said but I'm not trying for six months I won't be trying she went no Melissa we are trying you can be trying by resting and I thought that was so important and Donna Lancaster who I'm just literally going to send you her number when we finish she and I worked together and she said to me I really want you to help mother yourself before you become a mother and she said it in a much That's more fantastic. eloquent way That's really nice but she was like come on look you. Like, be be your mum be there for yourself give yourself all of that love and cuddles and kindness and care and attention that you want to give your
1: future children. It's a great message for anyone actually isn't yeah. it? I think any time you're trying to approach something. mum and dad ourselves. Just like look after yourselves and stop maybe stop beating yourself up so much of the time as well because you don't yeah. know kind of like, we need to keep blushing keep trying and you kind of you're asking a lot of yourself and sometimes to go forwards, you need to not go backwards. But you need to just pause, don't you?
2: You know what? Sometimes I wish that I would say to myself, you know, what, Melissa, why don't you go for a 15 minute walk around the block? Don't take your phone. Don't put any music on. Just just, you know, just just listen. Just just don't do anything but move your feet and then go home have a warm shower, put on your cosiest favourite clothes, put a hot cross bun in the toaster, oh, slather it with butter, make a cup of tea and go and sit on the sofa and watch some old comedy and watch Gavin and Stacey or something. I know that that's what I would... like. The, that's the equivalent of like a motherly hug or that bowl of soup when you're sick and you're off school. That's what I try and... I kind of kind to yourself. Kind to yourself. C- cuddly things. And actually... Going back to my food, that's what I'm always trying to think of when I'm creating recipes. Is what food is like a cuddle from the inside out, and what f- you know? So there's so many delicious foods in the world. We all have the foods that we think are the most absolutely banging and delicious, but also I I like to think about how I'm going to feel after the meal once I've digested it. How do I want to feel? I want to feel nourished and comforted. And
1: it's that something we've been thinking about. Obviously, you know you. Feeling your body something you've been thinking about for a long time with the work that you do has that come into this pregnancy and kind of has your approach to food changed since you've become pregnant
2: yes and actually you know there's quite a there's there's, there's a few books about you know diet and fertility there's not very many but actually what they all sort of say are the same things that we all say for good health which is diversity of food <laughs> As many veg, you know, as many vegetables and colours of vegetables and type of vegetables, giving yourself time to eat and chew. I mean, we all know this. There's no point inhaling food. You're probably not going to be digesting and absorbing all the good bits. And you know, enjoy treats and enjoy things, but primarily try and reach for foods that are wholesome and make you feel good. So the same rules sort of apply. Obviously, Oh, actually, we were talking about this last time we saw each other. Obviously, they advise you to, if you smoke, stop smoking. If you drink, really cut down. So I found that really interesting because I used to love going out for a meal and having, you know, a glass of red wine. And at first I missed it. But obviously the greater goal for me was to be pregnant. But I actually really enjoyed coming up with you know, falling in love with non-alcoholic drinks, as I'm sure you have, and replacing the ritual of a drink with something else, whether it be a bath or an extra walk or the loveliest chocolate bar ever.
1: You find other ways to find that relaxation, because that's what it's about a lot of the time, isn't it? Find other ways to relax and unwind. Now, as we come to the end of part two of the Stompcast, could I ask you, what, what has been your favourite part of being pregnant? I'm probably guessing not the morning sickness or <laughs> the sickness associated with pregnancy. What has been your favourite part oh. so far? Well,
2: you know, no one's asked me that yet. Well, this morning in bed, we watched my, my tummy jump and dance. So we could see the baby moving and that was like that's amazing. really, I could cry that's thinking about amazing. it. You know, we've waited so long to be able to see that. So that, that must was, have been a
1: moment, a real oh,
2: moment. I, 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 honestly, I could cry now to think about it. That's, that's lovely. And I, I guess there's, you know, there's life inside of you. And I think I think lo- I think many of us perhaps can relate to maybe we haven't always been so kind or we've been a bit angry at our body or we've maybe abused it in certain ways. And actually, I've been feeling very connected to my body and for a while actually my boyfriend said to me maybe people think that your your bump isn't that big he said i think you're holding your bump in and i said i don't think i am and he said i think you are and i realized that for 36 years of my life i have been sucking my tummy in wow. isn't that interesting because i thought it's a long that time to hold your tummy in that's what I need to do I look better if I pull my tummy in and I he said to me I think you're pulling your tummy in because I breathe out and I was like oh maybe I am a little bit and that kind of unconscious hold and tightening and tension in my body so maybe I've just really like that Learned like to
1: relax a bit too.
2: L- like see meeting my body where it is instead of
1: asking yeah, it to be something asking
2: else. it to be something else so yeah feeling feeling the first flutters
1: a special moment.
2: A special moment. And also, I'm really proud how my boyfriend and I have got... You know, we've we've gone through couples therapy. We've really had brutally honest conversations with each other. It's been strengthening for our relationship. So I'd say also, you know, building my partnership with my partner as we go on the... Uh yeah, we get closer journey. to you the due date. Yeah. Ah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you thought I saw your mind then yeah. going yeah, this is going yeah. six months also means <gasps> that there's only a few left, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Well, it's fantastic honestly to hear you know, what we've kind of talked about, we've talked about some really difficult things and thank you for sharing um, oh, thank you. so yeah. openly about them and, and I am really pleased for you. You're yeah. such a lovely person thank and you, know, you really deserve this so thank you so much. We're now going to go on to part three of the Stompcast and we'll talk a bit about your life lessons of which I think you have many so oh, we'll get on to that very okay. soon. Thank you to everyone for joining us for part two. We'll see you soon in part three. Goodbye.